You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone. Welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Alexa Dat. and Today we are talking Nationals baseball. We bring in our Nationals reporter, Jamal Collier, for us here on MLB.com. Jamal, let's talk a little bit about Anthony Rendon first off. What's the latest on uh, what's going on with him? And honestly, what we're going to expect from him this season, because I know the Nats need a big year out of Rendon. Yeah, you know, Rendon is is uh, just such a steady player in general for the Nats, and when he's been healthy, he's kind of proved that he is uh, one of the better third basemen in, in baseball. And I think that, you know, so far so good for him. I mean, he's kind of just going through his work throughout the spring uh, and, and kind of keeping everything the same and, and trying to be keep it simple, I guess. Um, it's kind of been his focus just going into the spring. So, um, you know, yeah, I think, I think what we saw from Rendon, and obviously last year was kind of a career breakout year for him, but I think in general that's about what kind of player he is when he's healthy. Um, a guy who's going to hit somewhere close to 300, uh, looking about a 930 or so OPS, 25, 30 home runs. Uh, I think he drove in 100 runs last year for the first time. I mean, I think that that kind of complete player, not to mention with the kind of gold glove defense that he plays over there as well, um, I think that's just the, that's the kind of player the Nats are going to expect and I think the Nats are going to get as long as we're done as healthy and on the field. Yeah, except for my problem was he was one of the seven Nationals that were struck out by Noah Syngard the other day. So <laughs> I, I don't want to hear that anymore, okay? You want to keep that in spring training? Which is, which is weird because he's the, like one of the few guys, the hardest stuff of guys to strike out in the league, probably him and Daniel Murphy. But, you know, Syngard on March you know 7th or whatever date it was, when you're throwing 100 miles an hour with a 94-mile-an-hour slide, I don't think hitters are necessarily ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I mean, what did you see from him that the Nationals are going to be intimidated by this season? Well, I mean, I, th- I think I think we saw uh, in general what Syndergaard can do in those kind of only a couple of starts that he made last year. Remember, it was the game in D.C. Um, you know, after the whole MRI debacle uh, kind of went down, it was his next start was in D.C. when he eventually went off the mound and, and you know kind of ended his season effectively there. Um, you know, I, I think they know they understand that he's a really good pitcher and that he's. Um, one of the more dominant, has some of the nastiest stuff that they'll see all year. Um, but I think they've also shown that they have the ability that that lineup is so good and so deep um, that they can, you know, they can put together some some some, some offense against uh, pitchers that are that good. But you know, Syndergaard, if he's healthy, is, is going to be one of the best pitchers in the in the game. Um, I think the Mets, though, understand that that Mets pitching staff in general, if it's healthy, um, is going to be tough. But again, the Mets lineup is pretty good too. Yeah, absolutely. Got a Cy Young, yeah. couple of Cy Youngs there in that lineup. So. Uh, and I think Steven Strasburg is poised for a huge year, especially if he can stay healthy. Uh, but who cares about what I think? Um, a couple of cuts <laughs> made by the Nationals first round yeah. yesterday. Anyone, you know, any of these casualties, somebody that you believe could be a huge star for the Nationals in the future? You know, a lot of these guys were kind of just first round. Um, a lot of pitchers were kind of cut, as you know. We kind of get down to games and start going deeper into games. A couple of guys I would probably highlight, Jeffrey Rodriguez, the guy they added to their 40-man roster uh, this past offseason. Um, and a guy that they like going forward, you know, got limited action, but you know, a couple of times Dave Martinez kind of raved about him. And a guy I've heard a couple of scouts rave about is Austin Boat. Um, this is a guy a couple of years ago was new to the Nats 40-man roster. He was, um, you know, uh, probably going to kind of on the doorstep of the majors and be one of those next kind of wave of guys to potentially make the majors. And he kind of has had a bit of a down year and some injury problems the last maybe two years or so. I think that uh, I've seen he's, he's looked a lot better this spring. And again, we're only talking three or four, three or four games here so far. But um, I think that the fact that even just the positive reviews you got from him in those handful of starts means that still eventually um, he might be somebody that the Nats can, can, can help out the Nationals in the future. 
Jamal, an article that I saw recently, at least the headline, said that Dave Martinez was talking about Miguel Montero, and he said he spoke his mind. I'm okay with that, regardless of what happened. That's all forgotten about. And you and I had talked when you know the Nats signed Miguel Montero as to what this is going to mean for this Nationals rotation. Is there any more info between the catcher and you know what's going on with the team or how they feel about it now that he has spent some time with this organization? Yeah, I mean, I think as far as just as, as a locker room clubhouse presence so far, he is—he's kind of flown right under the radar, um, kind of just blended in and, and, and kind of went about his work so far. I don't think he's, um, you know, made any—he obviously hasn't made any huge headlines or anything like that that he did a couple times in Chicago. But I think they also, you know, understand this is a guy who does, like you said, speak his mind and does, um, you know, have opinions and, and offers them up at times. I don't think that's an issue or going to be potentially an issue at all um, with this, the pitching staff. And I mean, so far the, the guys like throwing to him, um, you know, he's a, he's a guy who's a veteran and obviously has, has uh, got a bunch of experience and, and, you know, he's so far has been like, it's been a luxury to be able to, to have these guys and be able to, to work with them and whatever finger I put down, they're able to throw it and it's going to be a really good pitch. But I think right now they're just kind of working on a, you know, developing a, a closer uh, rhythm and bond between each other. But yeah, so far so good with Montero. I think he's, it's um, still kind of tough to tell whether or not they're leaning his way or, or the way of Pedro, Pedro Severino to be that backup catcher. Um, I think that you know, Severino was probably the favorite going in, but Montero does have that kind of veteran uh, presence that they do enjoy. And you, you have a guy you got to play him about you know, 50 or 60 games alongside Weeders. You know, Montero's used to that kind of grind before, and I think that they're, you know, he might be able to hold up over a course of a season a little bit better. But, yeah, so far so good with Montero. I think it's still too early to know who has an advantage, but um, he's fitting in nicely. Hey, what's the latest with the Seth Romero story? Because the team sent him home for violating a team policy, and now people are saying he's not in camp with the team. What's going on? Yeah, he's not in camp. Um, there was a, a report of you know a day or so after they sent him home <laughs> that he had kind of returned, and that was uh, you know not based in truth. I'm not necessarily sure where that kind of came from, but uh, you know right now he's back home in Houston. Um, you know, kind of a combination of things. They haven't exactly said it, but essentially a violation of team rules and a. Um, a lot of them are kind of curfew-related, uh, you know, issues that they had with him. So, you know, as of now, he's he's gone. Um, they have not really given a whole lot of clarity on timetable or on when they expect him back or if they expect him back. Even though I would not have gotten that far just yet, but you know, still a lot of the details there are kind of cloudy and murky. But um, for now, they you know they had to send him home, and um, not sure when he's going to be back. Pretty cool article on the site talking about how the national speed is going to be huge for them this season. You mentioned that they're tied for second yep. in terms of fastest teams in MLB. Who on this team is going to be the speediest, and how many stolen bases do you think they're going to rack up? Yeah, I mean, well, that's Trey Turner. That was an easy one. You got to catch me a little on, more than that. I mean, come on, come on. Yeah, so easy. <laughs> Jamal. But, I mean, I think I'm, I'm really intrigued of how many that number could be. I asked Trey how many he could steal over a full season. He kind of laughed and said, well, I guess it depends on how many times they go on base. Um, you know, he still, I believe, was 46 or 7 last year in about 98 games. Uh, and that's all, that already set the franchise record. You know, I think that he's at least going to be somewhere around 40 or 50. I'm uh, you know, of the belief that I don't think he's going to be impacted or changed a whole, whole lot um, if he's hitting second in the order, hitting ahead of Bryce Harper. You know, somebody go, will he be limited to run or not? I think he'll still have his chances, his opportunities. But a lot of it is just, again, how 
good of a player Trey is going to be next year. If he's, you know, what we saw a couple of years ago when he, you know, he hit well over 300, and he's not a guy who's going to walk a lot in general, but um, his on base was, you know, I think 343, 60 or so. Um, he, I think then you're going to, he's going to get so many opportunities to be on base and to create havoc, and they're willing to let him run. The coaching staff is pretty much, you know, leaving the reins to him uh, to, to, to be smart about it, but obviously to go whenever he can. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy who's, you know, at least 50 and not 60 uh, or more stolen bases. But uh, I'm in generally kind of high on Trey this year. I, I, I you know, think he's somewhere going to be 15 to 20 home runs. Uh, a chance at 50 or 60 steals, and the guy's going to hit around 300. But, um, you know, it's, it's going to be fun to watch for me uh, to see exactly how good he's been because we really haven't seen him over a full season to see what kind of numbers he can put together. Well, I'm high on Victor Robles, but I want to know, does he feel <laughs> sore from when he makes these leaping, grabbing catches and lands completely on one side of his body? I mean, is he bruised up? Does he walk in the clubhouse like, nah, man, that was nothing? Or is he like, i got to put some ice packs on my abs for the rest it- of the day? This dude was born in uh, 1997. He's like 20 years, like 12 years old. He's fine, um, <laughs> but it's kind of amazing. Like every 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 other day, it feels like that he's in the lineup. He's doing something, whether it be hitting a home run or a triple or a double somewhere down in the corner or, or you know, making these diving plays. Um, it's been really really impressive uh, so far, just what he's done, and it's you know it kind of you know pushes the question even more about when or how soon will he be the everyday. Uh, an everyday center fielder or just outfielder in, in, in you know DC, but uh, it's been fun to watch so far this spring. He's you know coming as advertised as, as good of a player as, as you know we've all kind of heard about for the last couple of years. Over the last 24 hours, we've seen two free agents accept one-year deals, Mike Moustakis and Carlos Gonzalez. Now, I know they're position players, and it's a little bit different with Jake Arrieta, but is there a chance that he signs a, a you know less than a contract that he was originally looking for, like a six-year deal, like maybe a, a two-, three-year deal, and the Nationals ended up bringing him in? Uh, you, you know, you would think at this point, I mean, a lot of, we've seen a lot of the – at first, that first wave of free agents that kind of signed, Martinez, Eric Hosmer, right after camp started, they pretty much signed for the exact same deals that everybody kind of expected. And now, like you said, the trend is going the other way where you see guys are starting to, to get shorter deals or not. Um, I, I was, I, I'm not entirely sure whether or not Arietta has, has gone on that route yet or unless he's open to it or not, but I think that is when you would see the Nats potentially become more of a player. Um, if he does, especially if it's a one-year deal, but if we're talking a two- or even three-year deal. Um, but the issue there also is that the, you're, talking, you're talking a couple years for Arietta, you're thinking maybe he takes um, you know, a kind of a higher average salary than he expected to take a shorter deal in the end. And I'm not sure the Nats would want to do that just because of the way the luxury tax works and just kind of where they're at with that number, um, which they're already probably going to be over. And, and you know, the more you go over, the more you have to pay. So uh, I, I think that, again, right now, not a whole lot new on these two sides. I think that they are um, – you know, but only a phone call away if if the if Arietta and, and uh, Boris decide to take a shorter deal, and the Nats are kind of willing to make those terms, it can kind of happen quickly. But um, so far, you know, not a whole lot of contact or a whole lot of things. The Nats actually seem like they are pretty content with the guys they have in camp, um, and unless something of value or something new pops up, they're going to go for it with these guys they got uh, as their starting rotation. They got to get over the postseason hump first. By the way, any sort of follow up to the Camels because that was hella fun last week. <laughs> I asked Dave if, if you know what he had for this uh, past Wednesday, and he said, "I can't, I can't spoil everybody this early. <laughs> get them, get, get uh, you know, more stuff out." So I don't know. We'll, we'll wait and see what the next animal or or whatever is coming. So something uh, is coming. We just don't know what it is yet. 
<laughs> I think so. I'm assuming something's coming at some point. I guess we're all expecting it now, so got to uh, gotta live up to it. All right. Well, stay tuned for that. That's going to do it for us here on MLB.com Extras, our Nationals edition. Back next week with that surprise, we'll see how Davey can uh, go ahead and top those camels there at spring training. Make sure you stay tuned for that. Thanks, Jamal. Appreciate it. Thank you.